Hi, I'm Melinda, host of See Here Love, and this is The Backstory. So this is the backstory of the part one of David Kinnaman, Love Jesus But Not the Church. And here I am in Studio C, right before I go to another interview, all raw, a little bit of makeup this time, but hair not done like this. But, so the backstory of that is this, and if I can be so transparent, uh, our 15-year-old son has been having questions about God and some doubts about God and going to church. And as we've shared this journey about him and his questions, a number of our friends have actually said, hey, you know what, our son or daughter have those exact same thoughts as well. And so this conversation has been percolating. It was like the perfect storm because we got a call from our PR um, friend who said, hey, president of the Barna Research Group, David Kinnaman is coming up from California and he has a great book out called Faith for Exiles. And I was like, okay, this actually will be a great learning for me. Here's the Here's an inside scoop. A lot of times when I bring people in to uh, be a guest on the show, it's because I just really want to learn from them and it's like free learning. It's like why I have psychotherapists on the show, it's free counseling. That's why I have smart people come on because I actually get an opportunity to learn. And I've always been told and actually saw that some of the most effective leaders and greatest people of influence were always learning. Never stop learning how they could be better, uh, learning about skills and tools to help them in life. Anyway, all that to say, we brought in David Kinnaman, and I wanted to know why so many young people were leaving. He says 64% are leaving the church after 15 permanently. And so I was like, let's do a show. And actually, not even that, let's do an event where we can bring people, pastors, people of influence, those who work with young people, to an event here at Crossroads in our studio and let them hear David and I have a conversation. So the backstory of this is that um, I am concerned about 64% of young people leaving, but more so I'm concerned about what the church isn't doing, what I'm not doing, what I can do better, how I can reach my son um, with deeper, meaningful thoughts of Jesus. Or maybe it's just we continue to live out our life with him with love and grace and trust that God's got him. And God loves him a lot more than Chris and I do. And even if he ever leaves God and his relationship with Jesus, uh, Jesus will never leave him. God will continually pursue him every day of his life. So that's the backstory, a personal one uh, that I'm in the journey of with my husband. You can pray for um, our son and daughter uh, because they're in that sort of preteen, teenage where, you know, they're asking questions. And we just continue to pray for our teenagers and young adults in our church. And church, it's time to make some changes and some course corrections on being better and listening to the next generation. And that's the backstory this week. Well, today on the show, it's the very first time we've ever had a male co-host. Uh, I'm Matt, and I'm excited <laughs> to be here, Mal. Hope you can handle it. I hope so, too. But what I'm really <laughs> looking forward to, aside from you, Matt, is to hearing from our pastor's panel on church, faith, and religion. And I'm looking forward to finding out and discussing why 64% of young adults are leaving the church. Wow. I can't wait for this discussion. That's next on See, Here Love.
Well, welcome to the show, and it's going to be a good one because this is part one of our series called Love Jesus, But Not the Church. I think that's a really spicy topic today, and I'm so thrilled that we have a full pastor's panel here today on See, Here Love. Welcome, Danielle, Lucas, Carmen, and Matt. Thank you so much. And our first ever male co-host, Matt. Are you feeling pressure? A little bit. A little <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to put that on you man, right at the start man. of things. I know. You, the more you ask me, the more pressure I feel. <laughs> okay, I won't ask you anymore. <laughs> but let's do a quick little intros on your pastoral experience so that we get a sense of where you're coming from as we start delving into this topic. Danielle. Sure. So I've been uh, 25 years in ministry, uh, rural churches to urban, inner city, sort of incarnational, and then some social justice stuff. So. Hmm. Different countries. It's yeah. a, it's a, it would take a lot. a lot more than a couple yeah. of minutes. Yeah. So just a few years. Yeah, just that's right. Years. And you started when you were like, obviously, like two, two or two. Two, not so two. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Welcome. Thanks, Lucas. Well, myself, I, I came actually from Brazil like five years ago. Uh, I've been like in ministry for ten years. So in Brazil, I was from São Paulo, like actually a, a city nearby, a big church. But then, like God called me and my wife to come here five years ago, and it's been a wild journey. Wow, and your church was like 10,000 people. Right? Yeah, yeah, so? the church in Brazil, yes. That is a big church. Well, I'm glad you're here in Canada, and Thanks. I'm glad you're here to share your thoughts too. Yes. All right, Carmen. Yeah, I have been in, I guess, ministry where I get a paycheck for it <laughs> for 12 <laughs> years okay. uh, in a variety of roles, youth pastoring for a good number of those, associate pastoring, and I currently am the lead pastor at a church locally here. Okay, mm -hmm. that's good, welcome. Thanks. Matt. Yeah, I uh, planted a church five years ago out of our living room with a bunch of friends and uh, help oversee a church planting network. So that's kind of what keeps me busy. Okay, so yeah. we have a lot of expertise here. So this is great. And I want to start off with our news and views today because this, this actually ties into our topic today. So here's the news and views. So from the Barna Research Group, uh, currently they're saying 64% of young people North America focus with a Christian background, which is three out of five, are leaving the church permanently. So combined, we have 12 kids. I think I counted that right. So combined, <laughs> we have 12 kids. If that statistic is right, that seven and a half of our kids will mm. be leaving the church oh. after the age of 15. How do you feel about that? I get it. Yeah. Like, I think I have two parts of me. One part is like, that's tragic and horrible and don't let that be the case. And the other part is like, I totally get it. I think the problem is not, and this is, often a reaction to a survey like this, like yeah. a 10 year decade study is sort of to go, well, those kids are, <laughs> right. it actually, I think it's evidence of a problem that we even can separate Jesus from the church. Mm -hmm. I think that the idea that God's people, that Jesus looks like a body on earth, and, and we've kind of taken church, much like the Romans did, like this institutional institution, building-based, inside the walls. Yeah. You know, that's, that's, our, that's a church problem. That's yeah. not a generational problem. Yeah. And the fact that that exists, I, like I'm not actually even that sad if that's what they're leaving. Oh, I think that's fantastic, because every movement in history Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. is the movement out of institutionalized church mm -hmm. and into a vibrant spiritual journey. So, so you're just reframing. Like, I'm like, everybody's like, oh no, leaving the church. But you're saying, well, if it's the institution. Great, let's yeah, leave that. Yeah, maybe they're rejecting the right thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, let's yeah. leave that. Maybe they're onto something there. I want to leave that. I want to leave that right away. Like, wow. yeah. if I think church is defined by a building, right. then I'm, I, don't want, I don't want to be part of that. Yeah. Ugh. I know. And I think yeah. bouncing off of that, 
there's a tendency to hear a stat like that and think, okay, well then what I need to do as a parent is hold on tighter <laughs> and do the things that I know for my growing up experience, for my church experience, and just do more of that. And I think what we need to take from a statistic like that is to pay attention, mm. open our hands a little bit and say, okay, how do we do things differently so that we're actually inviting our kids and the next generation into Jesus, mm -hmm. not this institution. Mm. And I think that's something to be aware of. Yeah, that's yeah. good. And I think, I think that's the point, like even with Danielle, what you were saying before, I think like leaving the church, the institution, not a problem. But I think like realizing that we are the body of Christ and the head of the body is Jesus Christ himself. Mm -hmm. So I think, okay, yeah, institution, but we gotta have like these kids, these youth, young adults actually plugged in with Jesus Christ, like connected, having an experience with him. Yeah, mm. good. Yeah, I mean, as a parent, I'm not freaked out if my kids are honest and feel comfortable enough to say, I'm not sure about it. Mm -hmm. Whereas I grew up in an environment I felt like I couldn't be honest about that. So yeah. if kids are vocalizing that, sharing that, mm -hmm. trying to figure it all out, I feel okay. Like I think God's in all that as they're wrestling and learning and yeah. meeting them in those yeah. places of asking questions. Why this way? Why that way? I can, I can understand the angst though. Like me growing up, church was the epicenter of everything. Yeah, everything right. revolved around the church. Not my home necessarily. I mean, yes, but it was like church. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday Bible study, <laughs> prayer meetings, like everything was church. So for people looking at these statistics, other people, they're like, but that's the bedrock yeah. of like our family and of our nation and community. Um, and so that's why I think there's been a bit of a freak out going, uh-oh, you know, Mel, like that's seven of your kids on the panel are leaving. It's a revealing of not just a problem, definitely a problem, but also in that problem is an opportunity and it's whether or not we're gonna just see it as a problem that needs to be solved and covered back up, or whether we're willing to actually go all the way down the hole and create the solutions necessary in this opportunity. Yeah, that's good. Really, really great thoughts. I think there's gonna be a lot more to say coming up in the show. Mm. Earlier, uh, Mel had the chance to sit down with David Kinnaman, the president of the Barna Research Group, to talk about this very thing, why young adults are leaving the church. That's coming up next. We asked students what they thought of these trends when you're kind of just following rules and you're not really experiencing the goodness of God for yourself, it becomes easier to uh, get distracted by like things of the world. Uh, I think they see their parents or their grandparents or people that they've known growing up in the church that uh, say one thing and then act the other way. We're so focused on religion instead of like relationship. We're not really, we're teaching more law. Like you have to follow these, these rules. We're not really teaching about like grace in some churches. A lot of them see a lot of judgment within uh, the church. They think that, oh, if I'm this way, if I don't understand this, I can't ask a question. They feel judged for asking questions and not knowing so much. It really resembles a classroom. And after going from, well, eight to three for classes, typically, you don't want to go and sit in another format of that. It's, it is very much, let me teach you, rather than like, let us all learn together. David, thank you so much for being with me today here on See, Hear, Love and in front of a live studio audience. How does this feel? It feels great. Yeah? So, David, you did a survey for five years with young adults ages 18 to 29 and asked them why they're disconnecting from church. You right. found that three out of five are disconnect disconnecting from church permanently. And here's why, because you have six reasons. Mm -hmm. So reason number one, you found that young people were leaving the church because churches seem overprotective. 
and you say that here it says 23% of them say Christians demonize everything outside of the church and 22% say church is ignoring the problems of the real world. Yeah. Wow. Uh, one of the people we interviewed for this said uh, that at her church meetings they had to eat um, angeled eggs rather than deviled, deviled eggs. eggs. And probably not like a... A pot luck, but a pot blessing. <laughs> right. So, you know, there's all, and, and so this is a generation that feels like they're living sort of in but not of. They've got one foot in the church, one foot in culture. They're viewed by their culture, their peers, as crazy for believing this stuff. They're viewed by the church as too liberal, too, you know, too worldly, too whatever. And so they feel stuck. And that, that perception of being overprotective is like, oh, come on, the, the real world, um, you know, it's like we're not going to be undone in our faith by eating uh, deviled eggs. Right, right. Know, so. But I think, too, I mean, here you're saying, you know, that these young adults are saying that Christianity feels stifling, fear-based, and risk-averse, which, you know, I, I, can, I can understand that when you're talking about things like we're dealing with deviled eggs and angel eggs, right? Yeah, when in the real world we're dealing with divorce and depression. It, well, exactly, and exactly. And, you know, ter terrorism and, you know, gun violence in the yeah. States. You know, there's like, there's so many different pressures. Uh, and this generation's like, that's the real world. Like, you exactly. know, we, like we want to see our faith alive and, and active right. in that world. And, and I'm, I'm seeing here, and I've, I've talked to some other young people who said, you know, church ignoring the problems of the real world means, you know, the church isn't dealing with things like LGBTQ plus you know, issues, we're seeing homophobia in the church, misogyny, racism, lack of care for the environment, which is a big issue for young people, women's rights, women in leadership in the church. It's like it, it, it's not connecting from outside yeah. of the church. They're working through this, dealing with these things, seeing women in leadership and, and people advocating for equal rights. And in the church, it's a problem. Well, there's so many different layers of the criticisms. And again, um, I, I, it would be an interesting conversation even about how I insulate myself as a researcher to hear the criticisms and to stay hopeful. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I just, this is a, a, a bit of a side note, but I mean, I, I have to focus on my own time in scripture, my own church community, mm -hmm. my own my own relational community, my own friendship. I mean, getting getting counseling and ther therapy and talking about, because, uh, you know, I'm sort of like the Geiger counter. Our team yeah. is like the Geiger counter for all the challenging, <clears throat> all the challenging conversations that this generation and others are having about faith. and. Uh, this is the thing that Jesus and, and his hope in us actually helps us to address those very complicated questions. Uh, and that's my hope in the church is that it could actually lean into these kind of skepti skeptical questions that, the, that this generation is raising. But they are asking that and more, yeah. uh, race, gender, um, sexuality, uh, and environment, you know, sort of gl global, global affairs, uh, vocational issues, um, parenting, you know, um, uh, genetics, um, you know, just the, the world of science and technology. It's, a, it's an incredible time to be alive, but this generation is sort of feeling like the church is sort of putting them in a small, small box. Yeah. Uh, when in fact Christianity should make us more alive right. to those realities. And, and, and brave and courageous to discuss these without feeling like loss of control or, you know, that we might not have the answers, so what are they going to think of us? Right? Yeah, and I yeah. think we're going to get into that as well. Okay, reason number two. Teens and 20-somethings experience of Christianity is shallow. 31% say church is boring and 24% say faith is not relevant to my career or interests. Yeah, this was a huge one for us mm -hmm. uh, that, uh, you know, almost like, uh, three out of four young people who graduate from a, from a you know, sort of a Christian experience, uh, gr graduate on from, from primary school on to secondary or, or uh, higher education, say they have no idea how the Bible might apply to their career or field of interest. They mm -hmm. grow up as a Christian, but they're not vocationally discipled. And so the church is very shallow when it comes to their career is a good example of that. Mm -hmm. 
That's actually, that's really key. I think that it's not relevant to my career interest. I think, I think in part two, we're going to talk about how the church can be involved. Yeah, how it's in stepping into Stepping that. into it, yeah. yeah. Reason number five, but I want to get through these. Uh, young adults are leaving church because they wrestle with the exclusive nature of Christianity. They have been shaped by a culture that esteems open-mindedness, tolerance, and acceptance. And they feel that churches are afraid of others' beliefs and that churches like a country club only for insiders. Wow, that's that's big. There's a lot of different uh, dimensions there, but the the idea that they live in a world that's pluralistic, they don't understand why the exclusive claims of mm -hmm. Christianity might make sense in a world where you know, like God loves all people. Why He's a God of love, but so why would He, uh, you know, want to condemn anyone to hell? So they they wrestle a lot with those questions of human suffering, of uh, you know, sort of the, the exclusive claims of Christianity that you have to become a Christ follower in order to go to heaven. Okay. Wow, these are some really big reasons, but it, I mean, it's it's amazing that young adults are thoughtfully thinking through these and able to articulate. Like these are some of the things that we struggle with. That's and, why we're leaving. And you can see why sometimes, as a researcher, I go home in, in a fetal position. <laughs> David, and, uh, <laughs> and you're like, oh man. <laughs> Hey, it's Chris, friend of See, Here Love with Melinda. Sorry to interrupt this conversation, but I just had to let you know that the only way that See, Here Love gets to produce fun and authentic conversations like this one is through your financial donations. So go to seeherelove.com and click on the big donate button. Thanks for your support. Let's get back to the show. No, it's a, it's a hard work. It's yeah, a, it is. It's 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 a, a true calling to try to listen and understand these criticisms, well, and, then, and then and understand sometimes they're true and sometimes they're almost true. Right. Well, I'm glad you're doing it. Finally, reason number six, last one, that young adults are leaving the church. They say because the church feels unfriendly to those who doubt. That 36% said they feel that they are unable to ask my most pressing life questions at church, and that um, the church is not dealing also with mental health issues. Yeah, there's a it's lot of big. things we've been talking about, yeah. all the doubts across each of these five areas, yeah. um, you know, science, d uh, depression, sexuality, um, you know, can we be honest with ourselves and with others? And uh, a, a, the church should not be a place that's doubtless. It should be doubt-filled because that actually propels us toward God. That's good, David. Okay, just summing this up, David, what would your encouragement to be, be to, sorry, young adults thinking about leaving the church or their faith? What would you say to them? Uh, well, I mean, I think even some of the work that we do in listening to others, um, it's interesting how sometimes our criticisms become bigger than our ability to hear what, you know, what God is saying to us. Um, I truly, deeply believe there is a God who speaks to us and wants to call him to himself. And so to those that are struggling with the, the kinds of questions we've talked about or those that we haven't had a chance to uh, talk about, um, uh, I think that God hears you. I mean, the, 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 the person who's created you understands the nature of doubt. He created us to have these big questions uh, because they uh, enlarge our hearts and allow for us to see the world as it is. Uh, so, you know, to, to lean into those questions, but to, to realize that there's a person who, who, who created you to be with the ability to ask those questions in the first place and who loves you despite those things. And to the Gen Xer and the Boomer who are leading young adults in churches, ministry, and organizations, what would you say to them? Well, this is a generation that's growing up in a truly different context, and it frustrates me to no end when people say, hey, there's nothing new under the sun. There's the same things we saw <laughs> in the 1960s. And, you know, of course, there was a, a complicated time then, but this generation is today facing unprecedented challenges in the digital age. And so we have to be courageous to, to meet them where they're at in, in their questions, in their doubts, mm -hmm. in their 
reasons for walking away. Good. Well, I'm so glad there's a part two to this because we just sort of felt this, this sense of like, here are all the reasons young adults are leaving. But in part two, we're gonna look at how the church, how myself, how leaders can help bring you know, young adults back into the church or stay in the church and build a resilient faith. So thank you, David Kinneman, so much for your time and your thoughts and your research here today on See Her Love. Of course, my pleasure. Well, great interview, Mel. Thanks, Man, not bad, eh? So many things, like <laughs> all the stats, all the information, so many things to chat about. Let's, let's jump into the first one right away. Lucas, gonna start with you. Of course. So the first reason the church seems overprotective, um, ignoring real world problems, not addressing them. What do you think? Ooh. Well, that, that's a big one. And, and I think like even we gotta learn with the past. And even ourselves, like the church, like just going to the Bible, when we see even, for example, in the book, he mentions a lot about Daniel. Uh, so over there, like we saw that many prophets before, like with the generation of Daniel, they were declaring that, oh, no, you're not supposed to mingle with the people of Babylon. But this was not the solution. The prophet Jeremiah, he came and said, like, no, you got to mingle with them. And I think if nowadays we're, we're just like in the same position where we say, no, let's protect ourselves and no, let's not look for the world, we're going to be dead. Because we're supposed to be lights for the world. Mm. Yeah. So it's it's big one. Mm. Do you really think, do you, I mean, it, I, that actually, it hurts me that they feel that we're ignoring real, real world problems. But maybe we are. Mm. Like, are we really missing the mark on, on actual social issues and, and issues that, they, that matter to them? I think it's really interesting that you brought up Daniel because he's a prophet that lived in Israel captivity, in Babylonian yeah. captivity. And so I think that in the church, I feel like the felt... Fear is compromise. Yeah. We feel like we're going to be compromised if we mingle with Babylon. So <laughs> there is like this whole like you're protecting us from your exclusionary, you're like safe, you're protecting, is this bubble land and we don't want you to go outside of this bubble. Is this fear that is based on we don't want to be compromised by the world. It's a defensive posture. And I'm always shocked by it. I've been shocked by it my whole life because I do think it's the opposite posture of Christ and the early church yeah. even, and Daniel even, who took a Babylonian name, who like served a Babylonian king, who had Babylonian friends, who like, and drew a line, learned how to draw a line in his, in his culture that would bring the light of God into that darkness, into that culture. Mm -hmm. So I just, I feel like we've done such a disservice by doing this like protective, you know, nobody puts blinds up to protect themselves from the darkness. You ever think about that? Yeah. Nobody puts up blinds to protect themselves from the darkness. Like, so light, that's what we put blinds up to protect yeah. ourselves from because it's so much more powerful than the darkness. So I just actually resonate with mm. the, the study to say, yeah, like, what are we so afraid of? Yeah. Light isn't afraid of the dark. I mean, this yeah. is Jesus said, put me in the darkest spot. It won't extinguish the light. Right. There's no way to snuff this out. So when well, did fear become uh, a yeah. dominant uh, view? And Daniel, that works with, they say, the church feels stifling, fear-based, and risk-adverse. Yeah. Right? That's exactly what you're saying. Mm -hmm. I, I think even as I reflect back on my own upbringing and as I now work in church ministry, I'd love to know who got to be the one that created the answer to the uh, be in the world, but not of the world. Because so often I think that's something that we hold on to. And I think it's actually, we've created an answer that's been driven by fear. And as leaders in the church and as parents and as people who uh, step into life, 
and faith communities, have we actually paused to say, Jesus, what do you actually mean when you say to be in the world and not of the world? And do we trust you enough mm -hmm. to step deeper into what culture mm -hmm. and the context we find ourselves in? And again, open our hands a little bit more. And I think we have done the disservice and I think we find ourselves in a space where we have become risk averse, a bit fear-based and totally blind to what's going on in our culture because often, and I think even of my own upbringing, it was quoted like, we'll be in the world, but not of the world. Mm -hmm. But our solution to that or our answer to that has been, well, let's just come all in then and shut the doors. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think we have some good, hard, discerning work to do to say, what does that actually look like? Trusting and following the step of the spirit and following Jesus in that. That's good. I think, I think that's mm. the point. Like, uh, just, uh, just to comment like something that you said, uh, once we shut the doors, we are actually powerless because the power like should be manifested like outside, not inside. Mm -hmm. Like it's not simply for us just to keep for ourselves. Otherwise, and that's a point like for the young adults to leave the church or, or to feel like, oh, it is so overprotective because they, okay, we're just like in this bubble. Then now I don't see the power in this bubble. Yeah. There's no reason for me to stay here. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Matt, reason two, Christianity is shallow. So it's boring, the Bible's not taught clearly, and God seems missing from my experience. What are your thoughts about that reason? It's shallow, we're shallow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess that doesn't feel that surprising to me or that new to me. Like I remember growing up in the church and then feeling like some of those things were the same. I would say, I've say, said the exact same thing. I would have felt like, man, what is going on here? We can't really ask real questions because it feels like it's uh, destabilizing our foundation by bringing it up. And, mm -hmm. and we, why are we doing the things that we're doing? It feels like we're just going through these motions. They're not, you know, I, I understand when young people are saying, like show us something that's really making a difference. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Instead of like, are we just doing this for ourselves? Are we shutting it in, digging a trench, like, and you know, allowing ourselves just to be protected and because we're all afraid of it. So the idea that it's boring or not relevant, I feel like, I felt like I would have said that too. And sometimes that's my critique of right. what I'm doing too, like but, trying to figure it out. But what I find out. fascinating and boring is that we spend a lot of money and time creating big youth experiences that are exciting, yeah. huge worship things, lots of activities, adventure camps, and all these kinds of things. And yet they're still saying, church, the experience is boring. So I wonder if, wow, maybe we're focusing on the wrong, the wrong things. things. Like we're putting all of our time and money to create unboring experiences, but they're at the end of it going, well, actually, I want to know Jesus more, and you're creating this. Mm -hmm. I don't know, something to think about for that. Just the shift to say, I want to feel God. I want to encounter God. Like, I want to feel something. Yeah. And then they're becoming believers. So this is a really interesting idea of re a return, I think, almost to like a Jesus era where Jesus yeah. never asked anyone to subscribe to a set of beliefs before he prayed for them or healed them or offered them inclusion or empowerment or choices. It was sort of through that that they became believers mm. in Christ. Yeah. So I feel like there's actually this encounter is another Studies, really yeah. good opportunity. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Reason five, young adults wrestle with the exclusive nature of Christianity. So here they are in an open-minded culture, tolerant and accepting of all people. And their struggle and tension is that it's like an exclusive club where you have to make that decision, you know, that Jesus is, you know, son of God and that's it. And that's the only way you're gonna get to heaven. That's a big one mm. because that's part of what, you know, we're about. So let's talk about that because that's, this is one I think that can really speak to churches and young people. Carmen, you're like, mm-hmm, <laughs> I know. You're like, don't ask me. <laughs> you know, I think, here's what I think. At the risk of sounding heretical, we've made it all about the one decision you need to make to check off a box. Mm -hmm. And we have, and, I, and I, the, the sad part is, that is very true, that is very central to our faith to claim who Jesus is, but have we totally skimmed over the richness 
and reality of what it means to be in a deep, authentic relationship with Jesus. And when we invite people to look at that, study that, engage with that, what they see as they learn Jesus is he was the least exclusive guy hmm. out there. He was, he was the one pushing the boundary of yeah. what it meant to be exclusive and reaching to the margins and inviting people in who would have been excluded. Mm -hmm. And so when we invite people in to say, what does it actually look like to follow Jesus? We see an example and a model set before us that is far from exclusive. Which is so and good because, uh, you know, when someone has that encounter, that experience, yeah. that change, then feeling like, I'm for Jesus feels like a natural next step. Right. But apart from the experience or the personal transformation understanding, it feels like, well, why would I ever become exclusive? Mm -hmm. Like, why would I do that? Because it's like just kind of floating out there until it's rooted in this encounter experience change that happens for them personally. Reason number six is the church feels unfriendly to those who doubt. Mm -hmm. It's a big one. I think there, that says a lot to um, young people are saying this, the church is not a safe place for my doubts or my questions about Jesus and faith. What would you say as we yeah. end sort of those reasons? Lucas, what would you say about that? I think it's a clash of generations. Like my parents before, like they were taught that for you to honor, you're not supposed to raise questions. And I think like our generation is quite the opposite. Like we are, okay, I honor you, but I have doubts in how can I come like in a safe place where I can share my doubts? Mm -hmm. And if we don't open like this safe zone where they are able to come and share their thoughts, questions, doubts, whatever they're thinking, we're not gonna get them. Yeah. Mm. We've also been taught that doubt is the opposite of faith, yes. which is a, a really bad theology. Yeah. <laughs> because uh, faith is this unseen, unknown. So doubting is a part of figuring all of faith out. So the fact that we made those opposites has been a disservice to the church and to generations, really. Mm -hmm. Guys, such great thoughts. I know we're gonna continue some conversation in our after the show thoughts. And a lot of these content, the content and our conversation is going to end up on our See Her Love YouTube. So I really appreciate it. We could be here for hours mm -hmm. talking more about this. But now let's go to Joanna, who is uh, going to share from the good word of some encouragement to young adults as they struggle through their faith and church journey. Let's go to Joe. Thanks, Mel. Thanks to the panel. This is such an important conversation. I love what David Kinnaman and the Barna Group's research has done for us to give us insight into this. It reminds me of this text in Hebrews chapter 10, where it's talking about what to do as a result of who God is, what Jesus has done for us. And particularly at verse uh, 25, it talks about don't do like others have done and avoid getting together in worship. It says, don't avoid worshiping together as some do, but spur each other on, especially as we say the big day approaching, the day of Jesus's return. I know for myself and for others who have wrestled with faith, who have wondered if they wanna stay in the church, the most important thing to do is actually stay in Christian community. Just as the scripture says, don't give up meeting together. If you're a young person who's struggling and wrestling, wondering if this Christian life is for you, keep meeting with other young Christians. Struggle together, worship together, be in the scriptures together and wrestle it through. Now, if you're an older person who uh, is looking at this pattern of behavior happening in young people in your church community, I encourage you to create space for them to come and meet together, not give up meeting together. Meet with them, but also just facilitate 
facilitate a space for them to meet with one another. It's so critical for the growth and the future of the church that we don't separate ourselves from the body, but actually come together as the body of Christ, not forgetting to meet together. Because Jesus wants to meet with us. He invites us, as it says in Hebrews 10, to come boldly before the throne of God together with all of our angst, with all of our frustration, with all of our struggles, and to bring them honestly before him. And we can do that in the context of community with one another. That is the way that we're going to see the church grow into the next generation and carry forth into the future. Okay, Mel, back to you. Thanks, Joanna. Great thoughts from the good word. And thank you, Carmen and Danielle and Lucas and Matt for being here. Really, really inspiring and, and thoughts that I, I kind of need to sit and think about. There's some, some good things here to kind of challenge us in the church and in community. You know, me, you and the church, we have a lot of thoughtful and meaningful, courageous work ahead of us to lead this next generation. We need to choose now to make some course corrections and it can't be that we did that in the past, it will work in the present. We need to step forward and listen and learn from our young people and then make changes together. That's my takeaway. Yours? That's good. I mean, when David talked about uh, having hope, I think that's a big thing. There are challenges ahead of us, but I think there's also a lot of things for us to be hopeful about. Mm -hmm. I think it's a generation that's super passionate and want to be engaged, and they're asking really good questions, and the church needs to consider what they're saying and talk about ways we can shift and move so that we're relevant and it all comes back together. Jesus and the church aren't two separate things anymore. Good Matt, that's a great takeaway. Well done, and well done as a co-host today. You did such a great job. Didn't he do a great job? Fantastic. You, got, you guys did a great job, too. It was a, it was a great show. I had so much fun. And thank you to all of our viewers and listeners who are joining us today. Just want to let you know to watch the full David Kinnaman interview with Reasons 3 and 4 that we didn't show today. Subscribe to us on YouTube. And for our blogs and past shows, go to seeherelove.com. And make sure you also subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts to hear the backstory of how this very show and other shows end up as topics and themes for See, Hear, Love. And as always, as you navigate through your own faith and church journey, know that you are seen and heard and deeply loved by God. Bye-bye. Melinda's Hair by Paolo Marola. Melinda's Clothing sponsored by Denise Boutiques. Clothes for every woman. Shopdenise.ca. Deeks Insurance is a proud sponsor of the See Here Love Studio. See Here Love with Melinda Estabrooks is a production of Crossroads Christian Communications Incorporated, a member of the Canadian Council of Christian Charities. To support this program, please visit seeherelove.com and click the donate button or call 1-800-265-3100. And from me and the See Here Love team, thanks so much for your support.